Welcome to the Self-Publishing School Podcast. This is the podcast to listen to if you're an aspiring writer or an author who wants to be more successful. On this show, you'll learn how to write and launch a book successfully, all from the top authors and people just like you who are doing it at the highest level. I'm your host, Chandler Volt, the founder of Self-Publishing School, the author of the book called Published, and the CEO of selfpublishing.com. For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey, Chandler Bolt here, and joining me today is Grace Valentine. Uh, Grace is an author, blogger, podcast host, and a speaker. Uh, she's the author of the book, Is It Just Me?, uh, and her upcoming book, To the Girl Looking for More. Uh, her readers love that she's so relatable. They say her fresh voice helps them navigate their own faith and life, uh, which helps her fulfill her mission to show others that Christianity uh, is an adventure worth living. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about um, she's launched multiple books successfully, including getting a book deal at a young age. Uh, and so we've got a lot of different just pieces that we can we can that we'll be talking about in this interview. Uh, and she's got an upcoming book. So we'll kind of get a little bit of a behind the scenes of what she's doing to launch this next book. Grace, welcome. Great to have you here. I'm so excited to be here, Chandler. And this is such a cool resource that you have going on. And so I'm honored to be a part of it, even if it's just this one little podcast. So I'm thankful for everyone listening and the ministry you have in this publishing industry. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. Um, so I guess for starters, my books. Yeah, you know, you honestly. Got, you got three out. You got one more on the way. Like this Obviously, is I like them. Part. I know, obviously. Yeah. And it's not just to make money at this point. Um, I honestly, gosh, I am, so I'm 26 forever listening. So I know I'm younger. And my first book came out right after I graduated college and I got the publishing deal while I was in college. I started blogs um, and it did well. And I honestly was so naive when I was young and I wanted to write a book. I was like, God called me to writing a book. Like it's going to happen. And I, I think how naive I was really helped me and protected me that I didn't look at the stats and think it couldn't be me. You know, I just very much was like, oh, I feel this on my heart. There's a desire and I feel like it's for a good reason. And I love the quote, be who you needed when you were younger. And that just really resonated with me. And I'm like, you know what? I want to write almost like the survival guide or something that helps younger women, especially people in college, people in high school, even people recently post-grad. And so that's kind of why books. And I'm like a girl who grew up on Taylor Swift too. Like I like words are powerful. Taylor Swift was my queen growing up, still is and going to the big tour. And so I just really realized that storytelling is a beautiful gift and an art and I can't sing. So you'll never hear a song from me, but I was like, how cool would it be to like for me, also, religion and the Bible have been like a great tool for me that helped comforted me and been there for me in hard times. And so I was like, how cool would it be if I told a story of my own life, but then related to a story in the Bible? And it's not going to be as like Taylor Swift song-esque, but it would be opening my life up in a way that was still respecting, you know, boundaries and everything. But yeah, that was kind of my heart behind it a little bit. Cool. That's awesome. I love that. So you're clear, clear on who you're writing to, clear on what the book's about. I think that's a really smart, I love the structure of, all right, there's a story from the Bible story of personal life. So it's kind of making, making scripture more attainable. Um, you talked about, you know, first book at, I think you said first book at 22 or how yeah, old? Yeah, it came out at 22, book? but I signed my publishing deal. Gosh. And, you know, I felt so old at the time. Like, I was like, I am so wise. <laughs> I look back, I'm like, why did they sign me? Thank you guys. Um, 
but I signed my first publishing deal when I was 21. So I was really young wow. and it came out. It came out when I was maybe 22. Actually, I signed it when I was 20, I want to say. Actually, I signed it when I was 20 and it came out when I was 22. And so crazy to think about now. That's nuts. So how did you get a publishing deal at 20 years old? Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I, you know, I really don't know. Um, I used to work for some websites that were like, I would do funny pieces for them. This is before like God softened my heart. And then I suddenly started writing my own blog and it was doing really well. And I used some of the funny pieces, brought it to my blog, but then add some more spiritual pieces. And I did some of those Christian pieces on those blogs. And then suddenly other websites started to reach out, like Thought Catalog, which they'd be like, can we take out the Bible verse? And I was a firm believer in, I will allow anyone to take out a Bible verse if that's going to set it, because maybe they'll come on my blog and they'll see scripture. Like I'm all for like the idea of, you know what, what a cool opportunity to be that. I'll respect their platform and what they want to do. And maybe make it a little different. And so then like for every mom, like mom blogs, and they would always ask me to contribute. And I remember there was the original website I was working for asked for more, like they want to own my writing. They were like, this is so great. We'll pay you more, but we want to own it. And in my head, I was like, I think God very much made it clear. He was like, what if you write this in a book? Like, you don't want to give away your writing now. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And then I just literally, my friend, I was with her yesterday, actually, who's known me since I was saying I want to write a book when I was like 19, 18. I bought books on Amazon saying like, how to write a book, like traditionally published. I bought a book of like 101 literary agents and I just emailed them all like very eager. And one randomly thought I was worth it. And I had like my blog views. And at that point it was 2 million, but I didn't have a crazy social media following. But I think I just knew, you know, let me talk about what I do have and there's some things I don't have, but like, I don't have a famous family. My never was on a reality show, never cried about a boy on TV. Like, you know, I didn't have any of those things and that's okay. I just talked about what I did have and the gift things that God had given me. And even using the same thing, like people said I was too young to do it. And some publishers and some agents didn't want me because I was too young. And I remember being like, you know what? They're lost. Like, I think my age can almost help me in some ways. Cause they can see me as a friend, you know, they can see me as a big sister, not as someone older. And there's nothing wrong with that. But just like when you're older, you have wisdom to bring. Like there's something that you do have that the young people don't. And so I think I just very much elevated myself when talking to them with a lot of confidence about the things they did have. And that even the weaknesses they saw were things that God was going to use for his strength. And so like my age didn't disqualify me because that only made me more relatable to some of them, even though it did disqualify me from some publishers. And so that was very much the trick in the process. Mm-hmm. That's great. And I think the thing that I, want, I don't want people to gloss over is reading the books and reaching out to a hundred literary agents. <laughs> and these people didn't just find you. Uh, you put in the work uh, to get the book in front of people. I think that's really awesome. Grace, you talked about, okay, writing for different blogs and stuff and saying, Hey, can we take out that Bible verse or that sort of thing? When it came to your book, did you struggle with like, hey, how how much of my face should I put in the book? Should I go like, was that ever an issue? And what are your what's your take on that? Because I know for a lot of people that like, that's a that's a tricky, tricky thing. It's like, all right, do I write an overtly faith based book where it's like, all right, very clear. This is the book about my faith in Christianity. Do I do a hybrid? Do I kind of try to sneak it in there? Like what? How, how did you settle on what was best for you? Yeah, you know what? I think it really depends on seasons. And I'm very thankful that most of my followers are not the typical church girls. Like right now I speak a lot and those are my main followers. And I go to a lot of sorority houses. Like I've been to churches and I've spoken at youth groups, but like I will go to like Bama sorority old row and show up and I have some speaking gigs coming up around the time this comes out. And it's such a cool opportunity, I think, because 
Uh, it's not where they ever expected to meet Jesus, probably in a sorority house. Like they probably didn't expect that, but I love that I can use my relatability and I don't just immediately start re- say, repent you crazy sorority girls. But I, as a former sorority girl, I will relate to them, laugh with them, share a story, and then talk about scripture. And so in my first book, actually, God wasn't mentioned on the title at all. And that was purposeful. Um, it's called, Am I Enough? Embracing the Truth About Who You Are. And that book did very well. And it's now even translated into Dutch, which I don't know why Dutch. I don't know if it's because I'm blonde headed and they're like, oh, she's one of us, you know, um, but um, and I was very excited about that. That was purposeful because I feel like I relate. I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana or like the suburbs. I relate to a lot of the people who aren't as much like Bible Belt, like or or people who are confident in reading scripture. I don't want them to think it's going to be boring. And so I'm a firm belief that I'm a firm believer that it is so good to always have arms that are open wide to people from all different walks. But that doesn't mean you need to negate something that you feel called to. My third book was called What Will They Think? And it says nine women in the Bible who can help you live life boldly. That book I purposely decided because I was like, this is like the big sister of all the other books. This is for the girls who are ready to dig deep into a certain kind of study. And so I think it just depends on the book and remembering that your first book won't be your last if you feel like you're called to be an author like there'll be plenty of times Mm, to write a bible study to write that but sometimes also the first book you do write you have to think of that one like who is your person Mm -hmm. i always i play a game when i write and i'm like like obviously i like to write to high schoolers post-grad college but who is like my main target and i'm like her name is mary kate she is from you know South, like South Mississippi, or she's from Tennessee. She didn't grow up going to church. Maybe she went to VBS growing up, but she stopped going to church. Her parents are divorced. She started drinking when she was 16 and like dated a guy. Like, you know, I try to think of like who she would be and what would she look at on the bookshelves and pick up? You know, what would Mary Kate mm. want? And this isn't based off a real person. This is based off who my niche in my target demographic is. And so and I'll naturally meet like have Mary Kate's friends who are older or younger find it, but like, that's my heart behind it. So I like to think who would she, but then by the, my third book, I was like, I hope Mary Kate's ready for something a little more scripture based. Like, so this could be the next, the next thing. And so that's my heart. But I think it's so important that everyone just pray about it and think of who they're, if your person is like already going to church, but feeling dry in their faith, they might want more scripture. Like they might want Mm. more Bible throughout it because they're tired of just hearing John 3, 16. But if you are also (laughs) trying to reach someone who has never walked in the church, they're probably not ready to hear about the tabernacle or like, you know, old Testament things like that might scare them. And so just discern who that one in that niche is and think about what they would want. That's great. That's really great. How do you do that? Like, how did you get so clear on Mary Kate and any tips for people who are struggling with like, all right, I want to write to everyone. (laughs) Like this book is going to help everyone. Like, how did you get clear and how can other people get clear on exactly who they're writing to? Yeah, honestly, it was trial and error. Like I started seeing like what my giftings were because naturally I, you know, I think a lot of people, and when I first started, I was like, I can relate to everyone. Like the young girls, old girls, everyone will come to my page and feel seen. And then I started to just like write more niche things. And that's when my following grew on social media too. I'd be like, but you know, I started realizing I've been through sorority rush, not as many people have in the industry. If it's around August, I know what girls are feeling because I've been there putting on lipstick and an outfit, running around the house, trying to look cute and being so anxious. I remember being like, I'm going to do something for the girl going through sorority rush. And that blew up. That was one of the things that really blew me up. And I think it's because there was nothing else for it. It was something I could relate to. And at that point, I'm like, you know what? I have a heart for girls who are similar to me. Like I looked at my own story and thought, what can I relate to? 
And so that is very much, I think, how it started when I created that plan where I was like, Mary Kate, like, you know, like, this is what she's going through. Um, this is her belief. And so I think it's also important to look at your own life and those little things. Like you grew up as a missionary's kid, you know, maybe you should try to create curriculum for them when they're feeling like there's no one who understands. Like you grew up in foster care. Like, is there any right now material for people in foster care? You know, trying to think of those things first and then letting God expand it after and letting it also expand to see, you know, there's also going to be other things that you may not have gone through that you have a heart for. And so I first would try to write for everyone and I would do broad titles or broad posts on my blog or everything. But when I really started to think like, man, like I care about the overwhelmed college student who's stressed about a final. Like, what can I write for them? That is when I was able to blow up. And so I think there's a quote that says, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And I think with writing, that's so important. Like you can, you could do anything. Like you could write for little kids and do a fun, like Miss Rachel, like the YouTube, but Christian version, whatever it is. But you can't do that and appeal to the moms because you won't be good at both. And so try to find out who you feel like is your main purpose and letting God expand on that. Mm, that's so great. Such, such great advice. And I think that's an area that a lot of authors struggle <laughs> is getting clear on that one person that you're writing to. So this is it's funny. You're, you're talking about the process that we, we talk about all the time. It's the four P's of a best-selling book, person, pain, promise, price, and this person thing. And I love how, how, how clearly you articulated that like one person and it's very specific. And so I think that's a great takeaway for people who are listening to this, writing their book. I want to backtrack into- I'm sorry, wait, I want to hear that again. Person, yeah. pain, what's the promise, next one? Promise. Price. Price. Yeah. That is genius. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a, like, that's what yeah. I did, but you actually put it in yeah. a cool alliteration. I think the fun thing about books is, is they force you to create concepts and frameworks where we had always kind of talked about that. But when I was writing, this is the second edition of, of my book yeah. or one of my books. And I was like, all right, there needs to be a framework where people just remember that like it's memorable. Right. And so the person is who's the one person that you're writing to. And I always recommend like, it's a person that you actually know in mm-hmm. your life. And then yeah. you write them. What's the pain that they have that they know that they have. What's the promise that you're making through this book? And then the price point is pretty, pretty straightforward, depending on the book and genre and all that stuff. Right. And so I love that you articulated that and you did that so clearly. And I can imagine that's how, you know, probably part of the reason um, you were able to get able to get a book deal at such a young age. I want to backtrack into that a little bit. Did you did you do a one book deal and then it did so well and they said, hey, we want to sign you for more books. Was it a multi book deal from the start? How'd that work? Yeah, it was a one book deal. They're like, we'll give this girl one shot. (laughs) I was lucky to get that shot. And I remember, you know, what's interesting too. I I always joke. I had almost the same amount of pre-orders that I did when I, my following grew and for later books, because I just was full on, like, I'm going to give this my all and everyone around me supported me. So I, I think there's something so beautiful about that, of that first chance you get and going, so focusing on that message and not giving up, like, don't, think you're oversaturating your feed, like focus fully, like give it your all. And like, that's the book that's published in Dutch now, you know, that, and I publish a lot more books with more following, but that book that I did in my college house with seven girls, like that's the one that is able to keep going. And so, and the other ones have done well, but I think that's like the beautiful thing of all. Um, But yeah, just a one book deal. And then I think they had a second book option 
So they technically were willing to talk about one, but they weren't they weren't banking on it. That's for sure. <laughs> and so did the book, did the first one just sell so well? That's why they wanted to. to yeah, take the I mean, I you know I I sometimes I talk like I know a lot of this stuff, but I'm still learning the terminology. But I do think it oh, like their predictions like it in six months it outdid their predictions, which is a big deal. Um, granted, their predictions weren't that crazy. I think I was like. I think naturally you write your first book. You're like, I can make the New York times. Like I know it. Like, and I was like, Oh, my predictions were done. They go, you're actually doing really well. I'm like, Oh really? Like, you know, I was like, I was disappointed, but okay. Like, um, and it took me a while. You know, I was working a full-time job. I was struggling in post-grad. I was struggling with bills. Like, and it, and I think anyone in the book world knows it doesn't immediately just pay you like crazy of anything. Like you're, you're still juggling. Now speaking has become a great resource for me to do alongside my book, but I waited another year and a half, if not more, till I even submitted another book deal when they were, they were asking for it. They're like, have you thought about that? But I'm like, uh, I don't know, I've been, be- yeah. I've been busy. And it's cool mm-hmm. because I think I needed that time to wait for my next message. I needed to like grow in a lot of area areas. And naturally now I look back at my first book. I'm like, oh, do I cringe a little? But like, it's so cool that God used that to lead me to like now way more, you know? And yeah. I only recently, like the diva book I'm releasing soon, that was a two book deal with Thomas Nelson. Um, but Got like it. I only had two book tops. That was like, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, I guaranteed two books. Like, you know, <laughs> I was like, I've made it. So I'm hoping in the future yeah. that my next deal will be more like four books is what I'm hoping. Yeah. And the two book deal, is that two devotionals? Is that the, what will they think? And then to the girl looking for more yeah. or was and it? What will they think was technically not a devotional, but it was more of like uh, a, it was a trade book, but it was, uh, it, they knew it was going to be more Bible for me than normal. And that was the purpose. And my devotional is, I look at it like, it's like almost like all three of my first books were question titles and that was purpose. And I'm like, what will they think was kind of closing it out? So first was, am I enough? Um, like most young girls need to realize that they're enough because of Christ, not from the world. Then is it just me? Like, are you alone in this? And then that was the mm. answer is no. Like there's a God with you. And there's also people who need your story. And the last one was, what will they think? And the whole idea of that was as a woman living life bold and not caring what people think. Like if you ask, what will they think before you write a book? You know, you're going to miss out. I even, on my first book, there was one chapter. I was like, well, I don't want my grandma to read it. So I'm going to write it different. And then I I asked my publisher last minute. I was like, can you change, can I go back and change it? And they were so nice because I was still new and they let me change it before, right before it was published. And they're like, yeah, mm. we agree. I'm like, wish you would have told me earlier, but, uh, <laughs> but so uh, the idea of like, if you care, people think you're going to miss out on like living your purpose. And so that was the closure of this and this new devotionals to the girl looking for more. I look at it as like almost this like everyday walk and based off my Instagram, like the many books, like to the girl going through shame, to the girl feeling overwhelmed, to the girl ready to shine bright, like whatever it may be, it's supposed to be like a daily thing that they put in to mm. walk with that and have all those questions answered. And it kind of talks about it all. Yeah, that's cool. And it's kind of fun having this whole thing come full. So my mentor and advisor for selfpublishing.com is Michael Hyatt, who used to run Thomas Nelson. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. That just gave me chills. I'm sure you, you can tell him if you ever talked to him, I was like in college in my house, like looking at Michael Hyatt's resources for how to get published. Like, and I was like, Michael Hyatt, if I ever meet him, like, so, and that's how it all starts with people listening to this. Like it starts with research. Like people ask me how I got published. Like I researched, I figured it out. Like I was 19, but I was a little too eager. And I just poured material into myself till I knew what to do. That's cool. That's cool. I just talked to him yesterday. I'll talk to him in two weeks. I'll let him know. Yeah, um, let him know that I'm here because of him. <laughs> that's fun. That's fun. Full circle. 
Hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right, so if you've learned something, we want to help you implement what you've learned with your book. So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book, your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right, so go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement. You, you just casually mentioned this on in our talk just now, and then I see it in your Instagram bio, is the author of many books and real books. And you use that term, many books. Are these like self-published small books? Or the, or is no, that how do you call many books? I, so when I, so when I was trying to work on my social media, I think naturally, and even publishers will be like, you should do what this person's doing. And I would try to do what certain authors were doing and it wouldn't fit. So I tried the whole like laughing in the one picks that a lot of women authors do was not my thing. Like did not work. Long captions are not my thing. Then I tried to do like, and I love Bob Goff. I'm his biggest fan, but I tried to do like the one liners also not my thing. And I finally just like, honestly was like, I tried to write down a piece of paper. Like, what do I enjoy writing? Like, what can I do on social media that's different and still keeps my brand and who I believe I am as a writer? And so I joked, I'm like, well, I love writing books, but like I can call them mini books. And I kind of started two years ago doing these swipe to read things for girls. And that's kind of what my devotional all is. And so it might be like for the college girl overwhelmed this week, for the high school girl sick of it. For the one when college sucks, like read this for the post-grad struggling to fit in and find a job or for the one who hates their job. And then it'll be like a little Devo. And that's kind of, and so I've called it mini books just because I'm like, I like books. I like writing mini things on social media. And it kind of also, I use that term purposefully and they all know it's called mini books when I go speak, but that way they're reminded that I have real books. And so hopefully like, it's like, it puts the word book in their head without realizing it. So I'm hoping that also creates like the well, like her mini books, maybe I'll like her real books. And so that, that is, is the strategy. Super smart. I love that. That's awesome. Because um, if they I'll, look at me as a social media writer, they may forget I'm an author. They'll be like, she's an influencer. Totally. I'm like, ew, I don't want to ever take ads on Instagram. Like, I don't want to be an influencer. That is my nightmare. Like, I don't have any Amazon list, but I want to be an author. So I have to do something on my social media that connects to being an author. That's cool. That's cool. I like this. I see why you're so relatable, Grace. <laughs> um, I, I like the anti, I don't know, it's just kind of a fun play on like our anti-influencer. This is this is the way that I'm going to do it. And I think a lot of people relate to that. Um, I want to talk about your new book, but I also want to cue in on, so you, you mentioned speaking after the first book. And hey, you know, I think a lot of people know this, the, the book's not going to make you rich, um, but it could, we always say it's like this key that opens the door to Narnia. <laughs> it's this world of opportunities that exist for published authors. And that place is magical. One of those things is speaking, right? So did you start getting speaking gigs after your first book? Did that pick up after multiple? Like, how is 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 that the main revenue stream today? Like, how does that work with the yeah. speaking in the books? Well, also, so the best thing about me is I've learned, always have multiple streams of income. So part of me is I still will randomly babysit. Like I'm 26 years old. So my friends are having babies. I'm like, you know, I'm not better than a Venmo, $100 coming in. You know, like I still randomly substitute teach. And it also like helps me. I like do it once every two months because I get to see high school kids and what they're thinking of. 
and it keeps me aware. Um, but speaking is how I make the most revenue besides those two things and what helps keep the bills. After my first book, I'd get some requests and I honestly knew nothing about it. So I was like, Ooh, yeah, I'll go anywhere. Like they're like, what's your fee? I'm like, um, uh, like, you know, I didn't really know. And then I was working at a church at the time. So weekends were hard and I was a girls minister. And that also gave me good practice where I was able to practice on people locally, like for free. And I think that's made me a better speaker. And I like got to go to this thing in Nashville called score, which helped me develop my speaking because my church sent me there. Really cool thing. I highly recommend it. Helped me learn more about basically like what I'm talking about. But finally, I think I would do some. And then after my second book, it, it picked up a lot more. And as my social media grew, and as I also started thinking about my niche, like, and I, I've been able to get more speaking gigs. So when I started just focusing also on the college girl, now groups know Grace is good with college girls. So we'll send her to this college ministry. We'll send her to, I go to sorority houses and they pay me, you know, and how cool is it that a secular organization is paying this Christian Yahoo like <laughs> to come up. Um, and I still do like youth groups, youth ministries, women's ministries, all that, or even colleges sometimes will pay me just to talk about social media tips. And then mm. I'll like, I'll sneak cool opportunities. Um, I just think that was kind of always that kind of just developed naturally. But the one big thing that has helped me and as it became more than I could handle, and I'm really bad at negotiating. That's why I ha- love having an agent. Like I will just sell myself short sometimes because I want to say yes. But one of my friends started answering and it's like people, I'm like, she's my manager. Like, it's really just my friend. I've known her since cool. we were 16. Yeah. She makes 10% of my speaking gig fee. Um, she negotiates it so she can help like understand because sometimes it's like, if it's a big sorority, I'm going to want to say yes, no matter what, because that, what other better marketing for a new Devo book than sitting at a sorority house to very cool girls who might end up posting it. Like, that'd be great. I Mm want to say that, but also I have to respect myself as a speaker and as a businesswoman and as someone new in the industry and as a babysitter, like, you know, (laughs) that I need the money too. And it can't be free. And so she deals with that. She negotiates for me and then she gets 10%. And I think that has been such a great system we have. And it's someone I trust. And I think sometimes in the field, it's so easy to start thinking like your first hire has to be someone so qualified because you don't know everything. And I'm like, it just has to be someone you trust. Like, Haley is someone that I trust to answer my emails. Like she's got my back. She will, she knows my heart. She knows my ministry. She can learn everything else. Like we can, we can both mm-hmm. learn together, but knowing that the person answering and talking to these people is someone who knows me as a friend first and as a, a child of God, like that means more to me. I love that agent concept. Um, I mean, it's obviously not like a crazy new concept, but even just having someone that you know in your life being your agent to kind of jump over that free line, <laughs> going from, all right, hey, I'll speak for free to it just makes it easier um, to get paid um, for those speaking gigs. And then people you know, take you more seriously. You know, it's like yes. someone else saying, oh, Haley, you know, and I'm yeah. like, little us is like on like FaceTime, like, okay, that sounds good. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a little bit of a fake it till you make it kind of mentality. So, but yeah. it works. When I think it's smart to incentivize them based on speaking fees that are booked because then they're incentivized and they make more money. The more you speak and the more money you make from your speaking gig. So it's it's a win-win all around. I like that structure. You, um, and I would say one thing too about speaking, posting mm-hmm. pictures of you speaking, then I'll get 20 requests. I would say it's so easy to like think like, I don't want to post and tag an organization, but when I post and say I'm going somewhere, 
then other people reach out and go, why can't you go here? And so whatever, if you get one speaking gig, if it is for free, and if you're starting off, post the crap out of it. Like show people that you're doing this. So this is a new revenue thing. This is a new thing that they can use you for. And also that could benefit their club, their church, their group, their ministry, their work meeting. Like this could benefit them. And so that has been a big help for me too, is just posting it. That is really, really smart. Love that. Um, and one episode that might be helpful for you in your speaking is um, I did an episode with Carlos Whitaker. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Yes, I've um, heard of. I've heard him speak at like this Q Ideas, which is like a Christian creative retreat, and he spoke totally. there. Yeah, totally. So he has a really interesting process, and it's this interview on this on this show of turning speaking gigs into into books sold. And so, like that, just got my brain thinking with all these sororities that you're speaking at or other. It's like, okay, how can you build in book sales. Now, obviously you can negotiate them into the speaking contract. And, right, I'll, yeah. I'll lower, lower, I'll lower my fee, but we, you got to get a book for everyone as part of this or something like that. But then he had just a really interesting process on how to get, okay, if you're speaking to a big audience, how do you get 50% of the room to buy a book and then turn that into kind of just book revenue, but also just virality yeah. for the book. Um, I want to talk about the new book. Um, so you've got the upcoming book is to the girl looking for more, um, a devotional. How is writing and launching a devotional different from your other books or is it different? So I thought I was going to be like so good at it. Cause that's kind of how my Instagram is. And it's based off my Instagram post. I was like, I, I got this in the bag and it was a lot more challenging than I thought because you do get a certain word count. You're like, how do I engage? It's like you're doing all the same process that I said of like, you know, telling a story, bringing scripture in and everything in, but like with way less words and like 600 words. Um, and so I even vowed to do 90 devotions instead of 100, which is more common because I wanted more words in each devotion. And that was a big dis- decision that we talked with the publishers. But I mean, it was so rewarding, though, I felt because it's it's going to be one of those things when I see girls reading that who read my books and who read my Instagram, but something that I feel like they can wake up before school or they can wake up before, you know, going to their job and like turn to a devotion. And each of the little like devotions like to the girl who struggles with this, like it's very point blank because I'm very ADD and I've always thought people just want straight up to know what they're talking about. Like they don't. This, sometimes we do too many metaphors. and I think metaphors are beautiful inside a chapter, but not for the titles of things. Like I think. We, we as writers are so creative that we forget that other people who are more like math brain or just are so busy, they're not trying to analyze this like an AP literature class. Like they just need straight up. And so it's very straight up. And I've, I don't know, it was harder than I thought, but it's been so fun as like I'm preparing for pre-orders. And one of my pre-order incentives is I got my publisher to be on board that girls can win a trip for them and a friend to come to Universal and with me because I live in Orlando for the weekend, like an all expense paid that's trip. Cool. And that's been doing super well. So, cause they're like, cool. cool. And I'm like, it creates the initiative. They know me now. They like mm. my writing. It'll be a fun, and it's fun for me because I love Harry Potter world. So. <laughs> so, so you feel like that's been working well? It, yeah. It, I think it, it moving pre-orders. Obviously everyone knows probably listening to this. If you haven't, I'm sure in all your stuff, you talk about how important pre-orders are. I think, yes. I think sometimes right now people are doing so many, like you get this screensaver, you get this. And I think people are so kind of tired of that. They want an experience. They would rather just, I think, a giveaway of something better, like just knowing they get a chance. And I've also noticed when I'm honest with people just saying, hey, I really need your help because pre-orders basically determine like how many books are stocked in each store. They're like, oh, I'll do it. Like, that's easy. Um, oh, and when cool. I'm speaking in person, I'd say, hey guys, like if 
if I have ever encouraged you a little bit on Instagram, pre-ordering doesn't even cost you anything today. Cost when you ship it ships. They've been way more willing to do it. So I think that having an experience one-on-one connecting with them and being honest about where you are as an author and how important it is, because I'm not at the point where like, if it comes to speaking and they pay me versus they buy books, I'm kind of, I still got to pay my bills, you know? So I'm Mm -hmm. like, it's hard for me to say no to the money. But when I go there, I always have an honest conversation. I go, guys, I'm not someone who likes to push things down your throat, but this will be a good book that you will find benefit in. It costs you less than $20. Like most of your makeup costs way more than that. And it will help me a lot. It's the simplest way. You don't have to pay for anything on my Instagram. I don't take ads to not bother you. This is the one thing. And that's why I don't take ads too. Because I'm like, I'm advertising my book every day. Like, so why would I take ads and advertise other people's products as much? Nothing wrong with taking some occasionally. But I'm already trying to give them, the ad is my book. I love that. That's great. And so giving them a reason why they should pre-order. And then giveaways over the million bonuses or, or whatever else and using the giveaway as a reason why as well. So if anyone's, uh, you know, listening to this, watching this immediately as it comes out, this is before the book uh, is is live. So you can pre-order it and enter to win that trip to Universal. It's to the yeah. goal, uh, looking for more. So check it out. How how does that process work? Do they go to your site? Like how do, how do people submit to enter to win? And how, like, yeah, how are you using yeah. that whole pre-order process? So that's good. They go to a Google form that's in my bio at the Grace Valentine and they submit it in and I'm going to do a random raffle. Like, so if you pre-order five, I will love you. But like, I don't look, like, I'm not going to do that. The only way you get an extra entry is if you're on my launch team, which like at this point, my launch team is closed. But um, so everyone can only get up to two raffle tickets for that. And so it'll just be like, I'll put in an online simulator to do that. But yeah, you can enter by going to my bio at the Grace Valentine, clicking the link and it'll say like, enter in for the universal giveaway. Cool. So uh, you broke up just a little bit. We were just saying, uh, you'll put it in an online simulator uh, and that's what uh, creates a giveaway. So that's smart. And so I guess the only way to get multiple would be to do single, single book purchases. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I guess like single book purchases and single book. And uh, at that point, I'll mess that up, but I don't want to promise anyone. I'm like, uh, uh, the only way you can get two is if you're on my launch team, but Other than that, I'm like, I don't know how to add it in the thing because I don't want to be dishonest. <laughs> but please, um, have I sent you a copy of this book yet? No, I want one though. Right. Because well, I'll send you a copy afterwards. There's because there's a whole chapter on launch team. So I love that you're doing that as well and then tying it into this pre order giveaway. I think that's super smart. Um, let's see. Last couple of questions I have is on the podcast. Um, so you've got, it looks like the I'm Tired podcast. Um, any similarities or crossovers between launching and growing a podcast versus launching and selling a book? That you've yeah, seen? so actually I rebranded this summer and it's now called Water Into Wine. Um, cool. And maybe my publisher has not changed their thing. But I changed the rebrand on purpose because I think I created the I'm Tired when it was before COVID. And I think it was like, oh my gosh, I'm so quirky. I'm tired. Like life's so hard. Like I'm constantly exhausted. And I think after COVID, a lot of us like reframe that. They go, maybe that wasn't good that we were going, going, going. Um, And so, and also I felt like there was even a privilege aspect of that, of like, I'm tired. And like, I can see my own privilege of being like a white girl. Like, you know, I'm like people, a lot of people are going through a lot worse things and I'm probably more exhausted about other bigger things than me. Um, but I rebranded to water and to wine purposefully because I thought of my main, my, my one, my Mary Kate, the 
SEC sorority girl type girl who's probably drinking a little too much. And I'm like, I want her to see something and resonate with it. And I thought about like Barstool Sports is super popular right now with this generation. I always say like one of my biggest competitors is Barstool Sports. They have so many like women podcasts that are very raunchy and horrible, but Spotify will buy them for like a hundred million dollars. And so I was rebranding to be Christian, but also like more relatable. So that's why I'm holding wine mm. on it. And that's the purpose is that a girl will see that and not feel bad if she went out to a sticky floor bar the weekend before listening to it. It's not the typical Christian mm-hmm. podcast. And so that was it. And we probably try to do it. It's me, my friend Ketley. I also added co-host because I do so much alone that it's just been just as me as a friend. It's better for my friend. And what's cool is Ketley comes from a way different background than me. She's Haitian descent beautiful, amazing. She's one of my best friends, but it also gives me someone else to learn from in that. And it makes it more of a conversation. So those are the two things that I thought as I rebranded, but when it comes to promoting it, I mean, there's, you can do better at like crossing the brand, but I've tried to do similar titles that go well in my mini book. Like there was when you're overlooked that did well. And so we did a podcast episode on that, but we did a more relatable tone. It's not the same thing I'm going to do in a devotional online on Instagram. It's going to be more storytelling, but I can look at what topics worked on there and replicate it there, but make it more personal because it's a podcast where it's my voice. And so that's kind of how I promote it. Mm -hmm. That's super smart. That's great. And I love the testing ground. It sounds like podcast episodes and the mini books can be kind of the testing ground of content for what ultimately gets included um, in your traditionally published books. Exactly. That's exactly my thought process. That's awesome. Well, Grace, this has been fun uh, and very informative. Where can people go uh, to pre-order the book uh, and to find out more about you and what you're up to? Yeah, they can either go to my Instagram at the Grace Valentine or they can go on my website, www.gracevalentine.org. I'm not an organization. It was just cheaper that way. So <laughs> 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 Don't think I'm like, that's a big group of people. Um, and yeah, you could order to the girl looking for more on anywhere books are sold. You should pre-order it and enter my giveaway and you can enter the giveaway on my Instagram bio. And I have a retreat coming up too in May. So if anyone knows any college age girls, Signups are about to close at this time this comes out. And so you'd love for them to come. You've like college age or recent grad. It's called Purpose Retreat. And that's also on my Instagram, all the information. Awesome. Well, check out the book uh, to the girl looking for more pre-order. You can enter to win. I mean, you've got to be on top of this episode and do it immediately. Otherwise, you can just buy a book. Uh, yeah, and, you're um, not going to Harry Potter world with me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you're lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> bummer. All right. Hey, Grace, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of the Self-Publishing School Podcast. I know there's so many places that you could be spending your time. There's other podcasts that you could be listening to, YouTube channels that you'd be watching. Uh, So thank you so much. It means the world. Now, I want you to do three things right now if you found this episode. All right, number one, I don't know if you know this, but we've got a YouTube channel. It's a companion channel to this podcast. All the video versions of the episode are on the YouTube channel. So number one, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Number two, if you're listening to this podcast wherever, whether this is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, number two, I want you to subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss a future episode. Uh, And then number three, this is probably the most important, uh, leave a review on the podcast. All right, reviews are super important and help this podcast get discovered by other people. Uh, So number three, leave a review on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode.
If you're on the fence about scheduling a publishing consultation call with my team, maybe you're not quite ready uh, for that, I've got some free training that I think will be really helpful for you. All right, all you have to do is go to register to sign up. Go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. When you do, you're also going to get a free digital copy of my new book, Published. And on that training, you're going to learn the next step, so how to implement with your book. So how to write, how to publish, how to launch successfully. So go to register right now at selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. I'll see you there.